The Great Wolf has a reputation problem. Its howl strikes fear in the hearts of everyone when its howl is usually to let its pack members know that it's lost. Sometimes it's for food, sometimes it's for directions, but it's not anything that's so terrifying like it's been made out to be in the movies. Yes, the Grey Wolf is voracious in its hunting, but the hunt is for food, not partners. In actuality, the Grey Wolf mates with one partner for life unless something unfortunate happens to that partner. And if they're the alpha couple inside the pack, they're the only couple that mates, period. So at the end of the day, the only time a wolf moves on and does their own thing, their own pack, is if they get separated and can't make their way back to their pack. Or they're born of a litter, and it's designated for them to leave the pack to create their own. But for the most part, they stay with their pack, they remain social, engaging and hunting together as a group a community if you will and then whoever they mate with they do it for life so they're social and they're committed in my humble opinion that is something pretty awesome pretty cool to aspire to and something that probably is incredibly functional for them to live the kind of lives that they live this has been the season of the wolf. Yeah, so your boy Eric Payne thought he had himself a girlfriend. Not a girlfriend, but was on the way to having a girlfriend. A girlfriend was in the works. She was boss ass. She lived in New York City. She lived in a deluxe apartment in the sky. Her next door neighbor was the Statue of Liberty. It actually wasn't, but you could see her. She could come and go as she pleased. I don't know. It was weird. It was nice. It was nice to be... It was nice to be comfortable again. It was nice to know that someone was interested in me. It was nice to know that I was equally interested in them. It was nice to not do what I and I'm sure so many people do. One, get guarded. But two, start finding fault. Like, oh, man, they did. like in dating. And I'll be honest with you, the time that led up to my marriage is fleeting for me. I don't think it's age. I hope it ain't age. But I think it's just at this point, the vault of experiences that I've had. Only the ones that matter are staying in the forefront of my mind. And then I'm the one that gets to pick and choose what matters. Right. That's not selective memory. I'm not denying that anything happened. What I'm saying is that the level of importance in those things that happened. So I don't remember dating as a 20-something because I don't think that I was putting any effort into it, any thought, and I don't mean it was effortless, like, oh, yeah. No, I mean, I don't think that I was using a brain in my head, a single brain cell in my head to date 
a single person that I met. I don't believe that there was any discernment. I don't believe that there was any judgment. I don't believe that there was any measurement. I mean, yeah, there were plenty of measurements. Ooh, let me see how big her, you know what is, <laughs> her, her chest is, or her booty is, or whatever, whatever. Or, ooh, I can't wait to, you know, smash, slay, tap, hit, kiss that, taste that, finish the sentence yourself. But I don't think that there was any kind of real matchmaking going on right and but I think that now for those of us who have been disconnected from marriage and are trying or considering at times companionship I think there's a tendency to look for what's wrong first and then date someone because nothing's wrong right versus or even how about this you know what you want or you have an idea of what you want and then if that person doesn't have it, then they're wrong. I know I said this multiple times over the course of this season, but I guess what I'm saying to you about this situation that I was in with C-Sweet Lady is that we were just chilling. I wasn't looking for anything wrong. I wasn't even looking for anything right. I was just in the moment with her. And it was such a pressure-free relief to not have to measure her according to some standard as to whether or not she was worthy or whether or not I was worthy or whether or not it was working or whether it was not it wasn't working or whether or not it would work down the line I was just in the moment with her and I, I don't think I was thinking past a single moment until they happened welcome to the dating after divorce survival guide after getting his master's degree and getting cursed out his second master's and getting kicked out Eric Payne decided to pursue his doctorate and getting his life right and staying in his own lane. But upon getting all his degrees, he realized he was a fish out of water in this new dating landscape. Eric was 28 years old when he met his ex-wife and was newly divorced at 43. The world had changed considerably since the days of StarTac beepers, Motorola flip phones, and Yahoo Chat. It is vicious out here in these new streets where taking pictures of yourself all day long with a phone and posting them on the internet is actually a thing. The Dating After Divorce Survival Guide is the story of Eric's journey from love and marriage to divorce to dating to hopefully love and marriage once more. After spending the evening in Manhattan... We slept in the next day and binge-watched Narcos, uh, the second season, I think it was. Uh, no, it wasn't the second season. It had to have been the third because I think, uh, yeah, because that's when the new family took over, so it was the third season. Anywho, so we're watching the season and we're chilling. And uh, <laughs> one of the things uh, that I do as uh, or I used to do. I think I don't think I do it as much anymore. Um, I, I blame it on being a father. So when my kids would watch something or whatever, they would either ask about something or I would make sure they understood what they were watching. Hey, did you see da-da-da-da? I'm not like that dude in the movie that like, oh man, did you see him pull out that gun? That gun was so big, look at that gun! I'm not that dude. But I am the type of, type of guy that has a tendency and I'll say has a tendency because I've learned to manage it now, to narrate something that both of us have seen. I'm terrible in Law and Order because people hate watching Law and Order with me because I figure out the crime, or I used to figure out the crimes pretty much before the first or second. Dun, dun. 
And I would just be explaining away why I was right the whole time. So my ex wanted to strangle me and quite a few other people wanted to strangle me. So anyway, I hadn't yet gotten this ability under this uh, quirk under control. And uh, so we're watching Narcos and I said something. I was like, oh, did you see blah, blah, blah what he said? She said she turned around at me and glared like with fire in her eyes. Talking about C-Sweet Lady now and said, you know, I hate when you do that. And she turned back around and started watching the show like it was nothing. I was like, oh, girl, you must be crazy. I hate something that I do. And we've only talked for like two days and spent time together for two days. I've been, I've been in your arms. And you've been in my arms. Yeah, I was a little open. I was a little open. Okay. I mean, interesting, interesting, Eric. I hope you didn't let your guard down with this woman only to get played out down the road. And here's what I mean about this. I'm going to give away some uh, some, some mentality that I don't even think anybody even considers. So there's all these thoughts around men and men are terrible and men are dogs and men are this and men are that. And I don't understand like you, you know, you don't care about one and you don't, but you care about this one. I don't get it. Blah, blah, blah. Well, I mean, I think all people are like that. But what I will say about men, right? I mean, I guess the, 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 the act of sex, lovemaking, whatever, it's viewed as taking. You're taking something from someone. You're not giving from a male perspective. You're not giving anything. You're taking I mean, I think the people that are good at talking about love, like people like Maxwell and Kim and those types talk about the fact that making love is about giving, not about taking. I want to give you all of me. You know, I want to do it till the cops come knocking, blah, blah, blah. Right. So with that being said, I believe that men make love, have sex or men, if you want to take the make love part out of it. There are, there are times when a man has disconnected sex and then there are times when a man is vulnerably having sex. Like he's making love to the woman he is making love to. He is not getting his rocks off and yeah, this person will do. He's making love and he's throwing himself into the moment, into the experience. And that's what I would say I think kind of happened eventually. I say eventually because, you know, I didn't know her really when I first showed up to uh, Jersey. But I think that that's ultimately what wound up happening with me and C-Suite Lady. So when she said that, and I mean, I'm sure it was annoying. I just thought it was really harsh. I mean, like, dag, you know, I, we, I thought we building. We trying to build and you just said something that was potentially destructive. So I made a note of that. But, you know. I think at this point in my life, I wasn't really the person that I had been where I was taking so much so personally that it prevented me from moving forward with an individual. I gave her grace. Um, I wasn't using that term at the time, but it's the easiest way to describe it. I gave her grace and allowed her to be whoever it was she was.
I had a dinner date that evening, and it was a date that I was looking forward to. I was about to go see Mama. Not my mama, but my, uh, the mother of my ex-wife, the one I began to call mother-in-law again, thanks to C-Sweet Lady. So I had planned to meet up with my mother-in-law and my father-in-law, my stepfather-in-law, I mean, because uh, that was my ex's stepdad, uh, in Harlem on Frederick Douglass, on 116th and Frederick Douglass. I met, I got there first. They weren't there. The restaurant that I wanted us to eat at was closed um, for the day. I was pretty upset about that because I really liked their food, um, if, if memory served me correctly. And a lot of the places where I used to go were no longer there, just like anything, you know, especially when it comes to restaurants. I walked Frederick Douglass for a little bit, started looking at restaurants where we could eat, and eventually they showed up, and it was a moment. Why was it a moment? Because... I hadn't seen my mother-in-law since I got divorced. Seen, uh, seen her, you know, her her new man uh, who who's been in the picture forever. Seen stepfather-in-law. I don't even know what the I don't even know what the terminology is for that. But I've seen my father-in-law, my other father-in-law, my second father-in-law. Seen him a lot. He has grandkids here in uh, Georgia, so he comes a lot and you know comes to town a lot. I've picked him up, we've drove, drove around town, we've gone to the park, we've had lunch, we've had dinner, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, it wasn't no thing to hang out with him, but I hadn't seen my mother-in-law at all. So here's the thing. I love my mom, my mommy, the one who birthed me, and she was the mother that I needed and had to have growing up. She's the woman that made me the man that I am, instilled in me the compassion, the love of God, all the things that I think, you know, fall on the more considerate side of who I am as a human being. I get that from my mother, the consideration and empathy and um, that kind of stuff. But my mother-in-law, maybe I should say Anne, but I'll say but my mother-in-law was the mother that I wanted as a, as a grown man. Like, I don't know what it was about her. And I'm not and I'm not saying this to compare and contrast. I'm just offering a she was a different type of mother that I hadn't experienced. Right. So I say that to say when I was when I'm around my mother in law, I feel loved as a grown man who is still somebody's son by her, if that makes sense. We drink together. We have all kind of inappropriate conversations. Like, I don't have that kind of relationship with my mother. And I wouldn't even want to. I probably would gag and throw up. But to have a mother that is so down to earth and so raw and so tough with me, I I love her. I love her. And, and, I, was, and, and I was nervous to see her. I mean, we don't agree on everything. We've had disagreements. We had uh, some disagreements even when, when I was going through the, the, my divorce. But she is a rock of a human being. She's been through a lot, and she's come out, and she's still here, and she's just, I think she's a wonderful person. So I see the two of them coming up, and, and it kind of threw me, right, because my ex's parents were young par- younger parents. My parents have been old as long as I've been alive. So, I, you know, although over time— Watching them age has taken me back. Uh, back. 
I knew it was inevitable because they were old to begin with. My dad had me at 39. My mom had me at 33. My ex's parents were were a good 10, 15 years younger than that. Um, So they've always been young looking folks. But to see them walking up, they didn't look as young as they used to look. And, you know, part of me kind of smiled appreciatively over the effects of time. And, you know, for me, it it was more than time. It was absence Um, because got divorced in 2015, hadn't really seen them before the divorce, um, her rather, before the divorce. And this is me seeing her in 2017. So probably like, I don't know, maybe five, it, it had been almost four or five years since I had seen her. And I was filled with so much happiness. And I, I was nervous, but when I saw her, I was filled with so much happiness. And I smiled, and she came up to me, and she said, Hey, baby, how you doing? <laughs> Which is what she always says and gives me a big old sloppy kiss, one of the few sloppy kisses that I can take um, on the cheek. And uh, I gave her a big old strong hug, and she was like, I love you, I miss you, I miss you so much, I really love you, I miss you. I said, I love you, too. I love you, too. I love you, too. We found a nice little restaurant, sat in the beer garden, and ate and drank the whole afternoon and night away. The She had black Russians, um, stepdad, father-in-law person. Stepdad, father-in-law person doesn't drink, so uh, he had Cokes, and I had a mixture of beverages, some alcohol some non-alcohol we talked we laughed we reminisced we just talked we talked as a family um and i was so happy to be to know not that i had any reason to doubt but it was just so reassuring to know that i was good with the old family even though even though things weren't what they could have been i was still good with the family and then they went in a direction that i wasn't anticipating so eric you know she loves you right and I'm, I think I was eating a burger. I'm like, who? You know who. Man, you better get out of here with that. She didn't have boyfriend after boyfriend. I ain't, uh-uh. No. Uh-uh. If she does, I don't know nothing about it. And mama said, yeah, don't pay attention to none of them dudes. She loves you. I mean, she's never going to tell you that she does. She's never going to tell you that, you know, anything. But she does. And then he was like, yeah, y'all probably, the way we see it is later on in life, you know, y'all will probably get back together. And I said, listen, that's all well and wonderful and fantastic and fairy tale but I am here, I am now, and she ain't around. And I ain't never heard nothing like that come out of her mouth. I've heard a whole bunch of other stuff, but nothing like that. And I said, unless the good Lord himself sets this whole street on fire and has goats talking and nothing is actually burning, I will never be convinced of that. I am here, I am now, and I am good. Now, the reason that I'm saying that is not so, you know, I I can show off that I'm like a jerk or something. What it is is that that was the first time I had ever said something like that. It just naturally came out of me. Like, nah. I had never said nah. I had always been like, well, you know, whatever. We'll see what happens. I don't know. I mean, who knows what the future holds? 
That was my that was my jargon. This time I said, nah, it ain't happening. I don't want it. And I don't believe it could happen. And the only way I would believe it is if the good Lord himself told me. But then if he told me, I'd be dead. Because according to the Bible, if you look at God, you die. But then I did mention the burning like bushes and talking goats and all the rest of that stuff. So I guess as I listened to the words coming out of my mouth and I heard them through my ears, I was like, wow, progress. So we spent the day. We had a great time. And they dropped me back to Newark. Didn't question who I was with or what I was there for or anything, um, I guess, which was cool. You know, I mean, I, I don't think it took a brain surgeon to figure it out. But, uh, you know, they gave me a ride all the way down to uh, 34th Street so I could pick up the path and get over to Jersey. And my mother-in-law said something as just before I got out the car. She said, hey, Eric, everything is going to be all right. Don't worry about it. Everything is going to be all right. And I was like... Yeah, everything's fine. What is what is what do you mean? Everything's fine. Like why would anything be wrong? <laughs> and what I realized in that moment was that my ex had told her, which I had asked her not to do, that I had lost my job. And I said, "So, are you uh referring to the fact that I'm currently not employed?" And she said, yeah, yeah, but it's going to be all right, Eric. You know, in this life, we bounce. We bounce back. You'll be able to do it. You've got this. And I said, thank you. I mean, I hadn't even told my own mom this, and I kind of, like, rolled my eyes because I was like, that wasn't her business to tell, but it is what it is. Nothing to get upset about, nothing to place a phone call about, nothing to start a fight over. At the end of the day, it's not like it was being broadcast all over the Internet and the person it was told to who spoke to me about it spoke to me with love and not with condescension. So I just took the word for what it was and kept it moving. Labor Day, 2017. Woke up the morning of Labor Day, and C-Sweet Lady and I spent the morning eating breakfast out on her balcony. This is a little fake green turf on the ground. <laughs> it was cute, tiny. But, you know, she wasn't paying for square footage outside of her building. She was paying for square footage inside and clearly the view. We did what we did a couple days earlier and walked the area. Went for my favorite Dunkin' Donuts. So we walked through the pier and walked around and walked through the buildings and held hands once again. And then we got our coffee and we walked back and then we made our way through her building. And it was a slow, a slow ride through her building. You know, we, um, we stopped off at the rec room. We played pool for a while. Then we golfed at this electronic golf thing that was also there. We played foosball. We hung out on the balcony, on the on the rooftop where the pool was. Just had a great time. We had a late lunch, early dinner on the pier. We talked about sports. She's a diehard football fan. I'm not as much of a football fan as she is or was. But we talked football. I tagged along in the conversations as much as and as well as I could have. Admittedly, 
I said, yeah, yeah, I know who that is a few times or referenced a play that I had no idea was a play. And, uh, you know, but the conversation went well anyway. And I mean, I don't really have anything else more to say. We just had a nice night, a nice day, a nice night. It was a nice trip for me. And I genuinely believed um, that the amount that as close as we were, I had my arm draped around her at one point. We kept sitting places and chilling. She put her legs up on mine. Uh, would sit down for me and put her legs up, uh, drape them across my lap. We just had a really, really good time. And it was, it was just, I was just at ease for the first time that I was at, for the first time in a very long time, I was at ease in the company of someone else. I was open to the idea of this person being a frequenter in my life versus like a, a one hit type of person or a one, you know, I'll see her when I see her type of person. Or when she comes to Atlanta or when I come to Jersey, like I started to mobilize in my head how this could work. And I'm not going to front. Based on her position and her status and so on and so forth, I was like, damn, she the perfect trump card. She the perfect trump card in dealing with, you know, my ex. I mean, because I, I wasn't too far out of out of the divorce situation. So I still had some tethers. And it would be cool to show up with this high-profile person. And the thing about it, this is what this is where this is where the knife would have been, right? This person who's younger than me and I think potentially younger than my ex, I'm not sure, was everything that my ex aspired to be in business. Now, I didn't really pursue her with that on my mind. But let me tell you, back where my headspace was, that would have been hella sweet to show up somewhere with her and rub that all in her face without ever saying a word. So in that regard, so that was that was that's a little that's a little bit of transparency for you. And in that regard, I had trophied her in that regard. I hadn't trophied her based on the way she looked and based on her body or anything like that. I trophied her based on her status in the in the corporate world. Something that I didn't, I was caring less and less about personally, but I knew it would matter to my ex. It was a nice trip. The next morning, I packed my bags. I gave her a kiss goodbye. I hopped on a train, and this time I took the train to Newark Airport. And I left New York, New Jersey, the tri-state area, fully believing that I had a girlfriend in the making. And let me tell you, it was a wonderful feeling to feel like, man, after messing up so many times and after going through so much hell with the ex, it was so nice to be somewhere where I was appreciated and where I appreciated her. Thank you for listening to the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. This is the conclusion of season two. A couple of things I want to knock off the notch list. Recently celebrated a birthday. I am only a stone's throw from 50 years old, but I am thankful to be the age that I am. I am thankful to be here to be able to tell this story to you. I am thankful. You know, here, here's some truth for you. This podcast has actually been great therapy for me. It has allowed me the opportunity to see my story through eyes that, even though they're my eyes, it has allowed me to see my story in ways that I hadn't really considered. And it's freed me up in telling the story and going over it and in hearing myself describe certain things and having to go back and edit and potentially take some things out or hearing my anger in one instance or hearing my calm in another. It's given me so much perspective on what I went through and how it was a terrible thing in the idea that children were involved, 
but it was not like you know i still have life it's 2020 all hell is breaking loose but i'm still here and we're all still here so if you're still here like i said in the last episode you're here on purpose you're here for an appointed time and i am just personally thankful for this podcast something that i created for anybody listening out there and i have inadvertently come to benefit from it myself my desire in doing this was not to be heavy and draw people out and beat people over the head with their misery i already did that i did that for years in advance of this podcast i wanted to keep it light i wanted to tell a story that would hopefully inspire let people know that they weren't alone and let people know that they can laugh at themselves and make mistakes and get up from the mistakes and keep going and i'm just very thankful i'm very thankful uh one last thing i want to point out is that i was recently nominated for uh best relationship podcast 2020 from black pod awards black podcasting awards it's an organization that i have not that came into existence this year if you go to blackpodawards.com um you'll see it there uh you'll see me there as a nominee i ultimately did not win in my category there were three of us uh another podcast did win it's called the it's called the Me to We Talk podcast. Check them out. I think, you know, getting a multitude, a plethora, and barrages, as Spice Adams says, of ideas and perspectives on this relationship thing, whether it's pre divorce, post divorce, even married, I think it's all helpful. If that's something that you're seeking, hearing from the different perspectives, and also hearing from black voices, uh, you know, we have a lot to say because why not? we're a part of the human community right so i think it's good to hear from uh different perspectives and different ethnicities and what their outlook on relationships is relationships are to hear the nuances in their voice to hear what their experiences are and i think that they all enrich our own experiences because we can say especially if we can say oh i can relate to that because not only are you relating to that you're like dag they're going through the exact same thing from th- as I'm going through. And it creates empathy. I get a lot of emails from people of other nationalities, ethnicities from other parts of the world and other parts of the country saying, hey, man, what you did got me through the night. Hey, this is my first time going through something like this or the I'm in month whatever of my divorce. And, you know, this is hard. And your words help me get through this. For me, I'm like, dag, that's really cool. So anyway, listen to the podcast. If you have an opportunity, check them out. Meet me to we talk me to we talk podcast and uh, i'm gonna sign off and wish you all well enjoy your fall i will be back for season three gotta give my mind a chance to unwind and bake on what's coming next but you'll be updated there'll be a few things along the line that you'll hear from me from you'll hear from me in advance of season three so stay tuned and as always Thank you for listening. Be blessed. Be beautiful. Be powerful. Be impactful. Be wonderful. Be authentic. Be true. Be you. Be love. Be peace. Be empathy. Be hope. Be courageous. Be fearless in these fearful times. And be great. I love you all. Peace out.